they started buying them up and naming them after banks all over the world. And which was interesting because they raised the trade floor because people wanted to get in on this, right? So then you had like this disparity of here's the floor for the hash masks. But if you want a clown one, there's a completely different echelon now because it has a utility tied to it by this movement. And they got to the point where Citibank actually filed the request for takedown which they celebrated because it's not like you can remove it on chain, right? That's the best like part about it being on the chain <laughs> and the lack of, I think, Citibank and understanding that. NFTs and all my crypto is green. I'm watching Gary V on TV. What do you mean? She wear Gucci and Louis, but her favorite Celine. My old school is old, but I keep that clean. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Curated by Quantstamp. On today's show, we have Outer Lumen, creative director and advisor at Hashmask. We talk a lot about the Hashmask team, things they're working on, and the future plans. We also talk a lot about Outer's love of NFT collection data and the talk she gave at NFT London. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Tell us about yourself, your background, and your story, and how it ended up at Hashmask. Yeah, no, absolutely. So my name is Outer Lumen. I've been in crypto since 2013, which is, I guess makes me like a dinosaur or something um in the space i got into nfts in 2021 uh in i believe i i mean i was i I was already there when the hack masks launched in january but i didn't get an official nft i think until may but i opened up my open c account like in march and i was watching but i I think you know like most people it took a minute to actually commit to you know the purchasing of said nft and becoming an nft owner so i watched it for a while and then i finally jumped in on board uh, my first kind of generative trait type project were the hash masks. So I got one and um, I really liked the art. And then I did not end up joining the team until November of 2021. And I have been the creative director for the hash masks uh, since then. So just for over a year now. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, I belong to a bunch of different other communities as well um, that I absolutely love and adore. And I host Twitter spaces. And so it's not really just like hash mask centric for me as far as like me being in the space. But uh, I do I do love the hash masks project a lot. While we're on topic of hash mask, how has it evolved since it started to where it is right now? Yeah, well, I guess backing up, I mean. There were two people that did the project. They hired like 70 something artists to create it and they have not revealed who the artists were. Um, it's a really traits complex project because it has a lot of different layers and sub layers. You know, there's different elements and we can get into that a little bit later. Um, and so, yeah, so they launched them in 2021. They launched it as a bonding curve, which like is wild to think about in the space now. Like, can you imagine somebody dropping a bonding curve project now? <laughs> just not work but back then uh you know it was a thing that was done and they sold out um and you didn't have trades on OpenSea yet so people were in the discord trying to figure out if they had rares and the discord was kind of buzzing as the reveal happened um and so the the team then were just those two uh founders and i guess they had some community members from the discord that were more active that kind of became a little bit more formal on that team uh, there were no royalties collected at the time. Uh, they didn't. They didn't set that on OpenSea. And then this. This of course predates me. But there were individuals that were uh, super active in the community, and they formed um, a DAO. And the founders signed over. Um, they put in royalty, and then they signed over the royalties to like a treasury that the DAO, an official like on, you know non formal DAO, started running. Um, so that created a team of I think eight. By the time that I joined it in November, there was a team of, I believe, 
six people, seven, I can't remember now, it's just such a blur. Um, and then now we're actually, there's, I think, four of us remaining, and there's going to be a set of elections. Uh, but the DAO, um, like we, we uncalled it a DAO because that just didn't make sense. We weren't doing anything particularly you know, DAO-like, if you will. So it kind of became a community team, I guess, if you will, um, that, you know, did, did events and, and kind of did things for uh, for the community. And so, yeah, so now it's in the transition to have uh, a new election process. So is it safe to say that it was started off a couple of amazing founders just kind of like playing in the space and like, you know, they got a bunch of artists together and letting it go wherever it kind of went. And, and from there on, like, what's the vision? Where are you guys headed right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. So at the time, if you consider the space, like PFPs aside from CryptoPunks kind of haven't really taken yet in that kind of hold, right? So we didn't have the apes drop yet and what followed after as the PFP craze. And so when the hash masks were dropped, they were dropped as an art project, right? And the biggest thing about the art project is the fact that you can name change them on chain. That's the historical like significance. If you count historical significance as adding a tech to the space, that's a new utility of tech. And so each hash mask gets 10 um, NCT, which are name change tokens per day, if you own one, and you need 1830 to name change it on chain. And you can do it as many times as you have NCT to do it. And so the hash masks will stop acquiring NCT in 2031. And so they put that on contract, which is kind of interesting because we, after, you know, the space went into this notion of roadmaps, of course, right? Like here's a metaverse, here's a game, here's like whatever. <laughs> we, we, you know how it goes with, with, with a lot of these roadmaps. And so if you think about it, to me personally, it's kind of like, well, was the roadmap, this notion of naming and completing your art on chain and uh, you know, eventually, that the, the supply of, of the, the name change token will will run out. So if people keep naming them over time, you're you're not going to have any more to name. So whatever names you know remain will be the ones that are left over when when that's done. So it's really fascinating from that standpoint. And the utility of the name change token is really fascinating because, like, there has been a, a community um, called the Bowtie Group. Um, they started buying up clown hash masks. So these are masks that have clowns. And uh, they started naming them after banks because they have this banks or zeros movement. And so they started buying them up and naming them after banks all over the world. And which was interesting because they raised the trade floor because people wanted to get in on this, right? So then you had like this disparity of here's the floor for the hash masks. But if you want a clown one, there's a completely different echelon now because it has a utility tied to it by this movement. And they got to the point where Citibank actually filed the request for takedown, which they celebrated because it's not like you can remove it on chain, right? That's the best like part about it being on on, on chain. <laughs> and the lack of, I think, Citibank and understanding that, that even though you got, you know, Citibank removed off OpenSea, you didn't actually get rid of those clown masks being named that. So uh, that was that was pretty fun. I mean that's just, you know, one one kind of fun use case of it. But that's that, 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 so the way the project is now to like kind of having reflected on the past a little bit going into what's happening now, there's still that notion of complete the art. And I think, I think the hash masks, this is now me personally, like, I just think they have to, they have to age, right? Kind of like punks have to age. So I think they're going to see 
um, you know, their, their, their time in the spotlight, but I think it has to be a little bit of like, it has to weather through the bear and kind of pick up again. And, and maybe even beyond that, like, I don't know, it's, but at some point, again, it has this, this name changing tie to it. And it was the first project to do that. So it's really interesting to see how that, that, you know, develops. And we've been incentivizing community to change their names, you know, with different kind of initiatives and whatnot. But having said all of that, myself included, they're definitely holders that have these like unaltered masks where it's never been name changed. The entity has never been claimed. And it's this like, like, like a, like a collector card still in the wrapper, you know, where you just haven't touched it. And there's definitely thoughts, you know, in, in, in the space among holders that those might be the ones that will be the most valuable, you know, that still have completely been untouched since kind of mint or since purchase. Um, by the way, you were talking about roadmaps. Um, my favorite OG roadmap was the Lo-Fi YouTube channel. Like, I was like, the most useless roadmap <laughs> ever. Like, why do you have to? Didn't make any sense. Oh my god! I, I know Apes did that. I know somebody else did that too, and everyone was copying that. So, I think after Apes, what was it? The the Wicked Craniums came out, and then they copied yes. that. Everyone's having the freaking Lo-Fi YouTube channel. I'm like, who watches? Why would I watch your YouTube has so much content? Why would I watch your Lo-Fi? It didn't make any sense to me, but it was pretty funny. Um, talking about like you, uh, and this is like uh, it's a very naive question, but for someone, and I, honestly, I don't even understand this because I kind of came after the whole uh, ash, hash mask uh, thing had happened. Why was the name change such a big thing? Uh, and also, what is your hash mask name? I'm just curious. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't have just one hash mask. I have a bunch that I've acquired as a first as a collector. Um, and, 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 and then of course, you know, more of like, oh, well, I want to collect even more. Um, so the, the name change, I think, so, so the mask that I first got, this is before I, I joined the team just as a collector. Um, it's a, it's a bear. It's like a, a, a black bear it has blue eyes which i do and it uh, it's holding a book and you know the item the, the there are different items that the hash masks hold uh the book is is one of those there's bottles and mirrors um there's a shadow monkey there's a bunch of different ones um the books have different titles and you can't like you can't look through this and in in, in, in in sort by it like holders just kind of figured it out as they went through the mask they look through the books and they're like wow there's like you know, many different titles here. The one that I have is is is, is um, Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland because to me, I'm a very curious person. I'm an early adopter of most things. Um, hence, we are here now talking about this, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that I thought represented me, like the characteristics of it. And so I named it Outer Lumen on chain um, because I thought that would be kind of fun, you know, just to kind of have a, have a namesake. Um, so that's that was the first one. I mean, you know, hash masks are gateway to more hash masks. Uh, so so I since then collected one of each background type. There are eight background types. And if you know the project, um, you'll know how elaborate the backgrounds are. <laughs> They're definitely not, you know, just a plain colored background. There's art behind them and they have different themes as well. And uh, so, yeah, I was able to collect a, a background set. Again, it's not like there's anything I get for doing that. But for me, it's just kind of one of these collector things. There's several collectors that in the space that um, that also have take pride in collecting one of each of those background sets. Um, and then, you know, the, the the naming thing is 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 definitely personal, right? Either people name something maybe after their brand, or as I've mentioned, they troll people with it. <laughs> Trolling is a huge part of the hash mask naming. 
Um, sometimes it's just cultural commentary, right? You know, you can, you can, you know, name things after what's happening in the space. And I think that's, that's really relevant as well. Uh, or it's personal, right? Or it's commemorative, you know, like you can, you can name it after your, your kid on the day your kid is born and, and hold it on chain there and, and have it marked forever as something that happened on chain during that time. So yeah, there's a lot of different kind of considerations for what you can do with a project where you can name change. I, f- I remember like in the beginning, there was like a lot of like speculation on like, what would be like a really like a rare or like cool name. Like if I had like a single digit or a single letter or something, did you ever think that was going to like something that would keep going or do you foresee that maybe happening in the future? Just people putting value on what's considered like a cool or a rare name. Oh, I think so. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked in, in, a, in a while at the, the name change data. At one point I just, we pulled all of it uh, because we had a, a show for Art Basel uh, last year and we displayed hash masks with names at the Scope Gallery. And that was really awesome to, like, as someone who designed the the, the show, uh, the masks completely changed in how I even perceived them. Every time I saw them cycle through with the names, it was a completely different experience than just looking at them as, like, pictorial images without that name change. Because the person chose that, you know, for most of them. Um, so, like, there was, I remember one that stood out to me the most throughout that experience was, um, I think it was called Pandemic, but, like, as a panda, because the it was a, it was a panda mask. <laughs> and, you know, it's just funny stuff like that. Like, it's completely comical and silly, but at the same time, that stuff is memorable to us as a culture, right? So, yeah, um, I don't know if, if the ENS kind of craze went into the hash masks naming, but, I mean, who knows? Again, this is, like such a more of a long-term thing that it's definitely possible. And if you do choose, you know, a name, um, no one else can take it, right, until you release it and rename it. So that's something that's interesting um, to consider too, right? Like once you have it, you have it. And I've been trolled by the community. We had like a name change day and um, somebody picked uh, Inner Lumen and they did it like all, you know, one like without the space. And then someone else did inner lumen and they put a space in between because that's technically different. Yeah, there's 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 definitely like in inner inside the holder slash community trolling, you know, and, and that kind of stuff as well. That's that's pretty fun. I also remember that there was some kind of like initiative or push to try to get other projects to use the NCT token. Was there any um, results from that or is there anything that's that's using it right now? Yeah, so there was a project called Crypto Hodlers that onboarded NCT uh, onto their project, uh, so you could name them. And I think they had um, a children. Um, I believe it was like a two of the hodlers could create a kid, and I think they had something to do where you can maybe name the kids as well. I don't, I don't fully remember what they ended up doing, um, and I actually don't know much about that project since then. The only thing I know is. Um, I think the founders from were from Ukraine, and I know they were affected by the fact that obviously there's a war going on. So I don't know, you know, if they've been delivering stuff or not. But that was one that 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 used it. Yeah, it's still cool to get other projects to to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I I mean either they could use the issue is that they can't create a project where you will where the project itself will get NCT right. So they'll be reliant yeah. on the supply of NCT from the hash masks. I imagine a more natural, like realistic thing is to kind of create their own on-chain naming um, if that's the way that people want to go. And there have been projects that introduce that, but it hasn't been dynamic, right? Like I think JPEG people is an example where you could write a little slogan, but imagine the power of being able to just constantly change that slogan if you wanted to based on the picture. I think like that's 
that's the biggest value is that it doesn't just happen once you can keep doing it and we've had like there's a poem one of the hash masks has a complete like a whole poem called the way by the sea um i forgot how many lines it was because it's max 25 characters but they just on chain created a a whole poem so if you look at the name change history you will actually see a, a poem associated to a hash mask yeah i also wonder by the way you know outer you said you joined later on but i'm sure you've had conversations with you know the founders or the when when, when the project was kind of coming along right i i, I wonder if you had to have this conversation with them where what were their initial thoughts were when they were launching as in like were they did they think the naming process will with the project would take off uh what like did they think that you know like the um the unique or cool or rare names will you know either be valued more or fizzle out or like even even the low id mint number like all that kind of stuff like i wonder like did they think about all that stuff or that just happened so they are kind of in the same vein as the nature of the space even when you think about like satoshi nobody knows who they are really nor do they necessarily want to be known and nothing is known about the project since they dropped it so while there were team members um, before my time that that have ways to contact them, um, there's one that still maintains that contact and he's the only one. And so any kind of stuff that we need logistically, if we need anything, goes through that channel. Um, so it's not a situation where like we could be reflective about their intentions or anything like that with them, which I actually don't mind. Because again, this is one of these things like in a, in a space where people are chasing utility, I think sometimes it's important to reflect back on that sometimes uh, the utilities are, right? So now it's like, you know, right now it's a four of you guys. Uh, and so is it like more like you guys kind of come together, have weekly meetings or whatever, and decide like what's the next plan of action and you guys kind of make decisions? Yeah, we have team meetings and then we kind of decide what initiatives we want to do. Uh, we did the whole Art Basel thing. And then one thing that I've worked on that just dropped uh just on, I think it was just before Halloween. Uh, it was actually on Halloween. That's right. It was October 31st that this dropped. Um, so the founders did um, create this idea of a PFP that they wanted to drop. This kind of, they just, they hired two artists to create two different collections. And so one is by Florian Schomer, who is this like really amazing award-winning illustrator. And he was responsible for creating uh, direct derivatives of the hash masks. And then there was um, an artist named Ham, who is uh, an NFT artist in the space. And he created a brand new collection just inspired by the hash masks. And so they promised that to the community and created a claiming mechanism, which was interesting, or at least the idea of a claiming mechanism, where if you are a holder of a hash mask, you have a choice. You could either claim a direct derivative or claim an elemental, which is what I called them since they, this whole idea came to be, or you burn your mask and you get both. So one from each collection. And that's something that they came up with in terms of the claim mechanism. And then they kind of abandoned the project a little bit in that they just weren't interested in executing it. Maybe they realized just like how deep the, that rabbit hole goes. And so when I was able to finally see the art, because they they already hired these artists and most of the art was created, I looked at it and I'm like, oh man, this would be really good to get out to the community. Like I, I know that they don't want to take it on, but I think it'd be such an amazing thing, especially given um, I'm very partial to Florian's art. Uh, he has a very distinct illustrative style that's quite recognizable if you look at the rest of his body of work. And I thought that was really valuable. So I took... I took um, 
took on the role of kind of making that happen and, you know, hired a dev and, and a bunch of other people and, you know, had some team support. And so it was a really strong, long, deep dive, especially into matching like every single hash mask to its corresponding derivative, looking through Florian's collection to see what was missing, to add it when it was not there. Like just, yeah, it was a lot of work and a huge undertaking to make sure that when you show up to the claiming site and you have your masks, there's a section where you can click to view your derivatives to decide if you want them or not, um, that all of that matches up. And that's to like the individual glyph or whatever specific variation of a poem you had. There's only like six of these, but they all, you know, have to be different and, and perfect. So that was really wild. I don't think I've ever done a deep dive like that into like having something come together. Um, so that's something I'm really proud of. And then the Elementals collection is really interesting too, because again, while we had the images, we didn't really have a specific kind of, you know, name to it or anything. So, uh, so I came up with, with, with the name Elementals and kind of went through the traits and kind of decided what to name them because they, they were just numerical format when I got them from, from the artist, right? So it's kind of like an artistic director role in trying to make all of this cohesively come together. Um, design the site. And so we were able to launch kind of on a promise that the founders gave to the community and deliver uh, those, those, those claims to the community, which was really fun to, to do and to be able to say like, hey, they hired the artist, they did the art. Now we actually, you know, after some time uh, delivered on something that they, you know, first brought up. And I like the idea that uh, some people have decided to burn their masks. Uh, we have a graveyard. Uh, we made a little page called the graveyard where you could see the ones that were sent there to die, if you will. <laughs> and what's really interesting, and I think is a missed opportunity for some people that maybe just threw them in there because they're bots or whatever, but other people have named them because they, that name goes to the grave. Like no one can ever now name it, that name, right? Because now it's in the burn address. So too bad. And it can't come back to the supplies. How many um, have been burned so far? Last time I checked, I think there was just ten. Yeah, I can I can look while while we chat. I'm curious. You know, it's 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 changing all the time. But let's just see here as this pulls up. So we have uh, we have ten. Yeah, we have ten that that have been burned. I know we were chatting about this um, pre-call, and it's been a while. So I'm sorry if my memory is kind of shaky right now. But I know you were really into analytics, and you were giving a talk at NFT London, I think around this topic as well. I would yeah. love to kind of dig down deeper. What was your talk at NFT London about? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was really inspired actually by how deep the hash mask traits go in terms of being able to like even look at them in the form of metadata. So for instance, right now, if you go into the hash masks project, you have a mask type. Let's Let's say you have like the Mexican mask type, which are Mexican skull masks. There are many subtypes of those masks and you can't filter by those yet. And so that's one level of hierarchy down, right? So you have all of these different mask types, but now you can go even deeper. So for instance, if you pick, let's say one of these Mexican skulls, you have several color variations of it. So that's another layer that was now added. And in some projects, as you know, that color matters, right? They go right down to those variations. Whereas in the hash masks, they actually don't go that deep in the metadata. And so one of the things that I've been working on for the community is that deep dive. I've submitted, um, you know, the, the updated JSON files so that we can get at least the mask types updated on OpenSea. And that's kind of like a work in progress now. And if you actually look at the derivatives collection 
the mask subtypes are there. Like I added them because because I knew that we would have the hash masks updated. And a part of that inspiration came from the clown community being like, yo, we want to filter by clown masks. We don't want to look through all of the basic masks. There's way too many. We just want to buy clowns. But I think that led into this deep dive. And for me personally, it led into thinking about traits and traits culture. And so aside from the hash masks, uh, you know, like IRL, uh, I definitely like I'm an information designer. And so that's like literally blending analytic science and, and, and data with creativity and design and kind of thinking about like creative ways to present information. And so having done that IRL for, for like a long time as a, as a consultant, it was really interesting to me to point these skills into the NFT space. And so what I ended up doing now for the last six months is I, I wrote a script to scrape OpenSea. Initially, when I started, I was interested in just looking at pulling projects that meet the criteria of uh, being a 721 token and having a, su- uh, a supply of, I think the first pull I did was over 5,000 because uh, I wanted them to be like generative trade type projects and not one of one collections. And I needed the total volume to be more than 0.001. I put that in just because, you know, I don't want to pull rugs and things that have not had any volume traded. Now, at the time when I first did the very first one, what I didn't know is that there's an offset of 55,000, which means that OpenSea will not let you pull more than that. And you just go by the most recent. And so I only pulled four uh, last May that actually matched my criteria, which is wild to think about, right? Like 55,000 collections, my criteria only brought back four that met that, which is insane, right? Like this is, this is a sea of data, right? A sea of open sea data. It's, it's a kind of hilarious. So I had to re-evaluate my, my data acquisition strategy and how I would get it. So what I saw on their API that I could do is actually pull collections from specific addresses. So then I went on a huge tangent of finding addresses on OpenSea that were early, that represented like a really diverse, you know, set of like, I wanted as many different types of collectors as possible. So I went after like the Pranskis and like the people that have been in for a long time, even earlier than that. I looked at super early projects to see some of the holders and like, just, it was like days and days and I'm still in process of adding more and more wallets to this. So far, I have pulled uh, 3,100 collections um, from the addresses that I have collected, which together combined 250,000 NFTs. (laughs) So in sorting through those, I have pulled um, just over 3,000 projects. Now, I'm only looking at proof of work for now, because what I'm actually working on is a Gen coffee table book. So this will be coming out. Um, hopefully in the spring, uh, which I'm really excited about. And so the idea of the coffee table book is that this first volume will be the NFTs that are in proof of work. Um, So at least that was a natural cutoff for me, right? I could finally say, okay, I'm stopping here. (laughs) I don't have to look at the stuff on proof of stake, which was great. Um, And so, so kind of giving this background now, what I've been looking at is I have pulled the traits data from these projects, right? And I actually lowered my criteria of supply to 1000 because I was missing like gutter cats. They have like 3000 supply in each of their projects. Um, Toy boogers, there's a couple of other projects that are like trade criteria projects, but I was missing those. And so my next kind of phase in the trade stuff that I've been working on in creating this data set is of course the, the actual corpora of language for naming traits. Because if you think about something like 3d glasses, 
which is the trait that I chose for NFT London. Um, so when I give these talks, I choose a trait that I deep dive for my talk. So I've done um, gold, I've done 3D glasses, uh, I think I've done crown, I uh, can't remember now. Uh, so it, it's kind of fun, right? Like I, I focus on, on, on highlighting one because there's so many I could focus on. Um, so for 3D glasses, for instance, picture how a collection might interpret that like linguistically, right? They might say the numerical value three and then D, or they may write out, they may write out like the word three, you know, or they may say anaglyph glasses, which is what these are. <laughs> or, you know, if you're Renga, you're going to put in 2.5 D and that's your 3D glasses trait. Like, so, so finding, I know, or like think of the goblin traits, my goodness. So it, it's, it's really been fun to look at and evaluate this kind of from a language standpoint as well. But what I've been looking at and what I gave for the NFT um, London talk is these kind of insights. So when I did the 3D glasses one from my data set, there was about 760 projects that had them. And I was curious about questions like these. So we, 3D glasses are, of course, in the punks, which is kind of the starting point for, you know, PFP type projects. So my question was, across these 700 plus projects, how is rarity treated for 3D glasses? Is there a project that floored them, for instance? Or are they kind of the same in terms of part of a total supply? And obviously I can't show you guys graphs, but what I found is most of those projects kept them at about 5% or less rarity as far as the total supply of a project, which is so interesting because that means when projects are copying traits, which they do, that we know that that's the PFP culture is to copy traits, they're also copying the rarity for the most part, which I find really fascinating. And then I also look at things like, well, what about the, the floor compared to that traits floor? Is there a project that has a difference in, in that where the holders value a particular trait more? So this, I mean, this is just like the tip of a very crazy data viz, data, you know, polar, you know, um, iceberg. But yeah, that's kind of the the, the overview of, uh, of what's been happening. And all of this is culminating in a really awesome coffee table book that I want to create. I got a question here. Like when, you, so let's see if I have this correct. You said that from the 3000, some collections, 760 of them had the 3D glasses. Is that what you said? Yep. Wow. So, which makes sense. Cause like when you look at it and I didn't even pick up on this when before we were chatting and then you kind of mentioned this to me. But yeah, like even the bigger collections, even something like Moonbirds, which came out maybe after a year of punks uh -huh. or whatever, right? They had gold and they had, you, you, you know, and they apes had 3D had glasses. Gold. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And the apes had gold. Yeah. 3D glasses. And, and it's so interesting. But like, why? And, and, and this is like, a, I'm not taking a uh, jab at anybody. I'm just curious. Why do they copy the same traits and like didn't come up with newer ish traits? I'm sure they came up with newer ish traits, but didn't, didn't like really come up with completely separate traits. That's a really good question. That's a great question. And this is kind of the whole thesis of the coffee table book. The first hmm. part, part one, is looking at what happened. But part two also highlights what happened as far as the trailblazers, because I can identify new traits when they come hmm. up, right? which is really fascinating. And of course, this is with the caveat that's limited to the data that I managed to pull. There's probably projects I missed. And the very first page of my book is actually every ETH address that I've used to pull and all of the collections listed. So people understand the limitations of, of, of the data set, but it is still pretty robust, you know, and there isn't another one like it. So I'll eventually publish this for people to use. But it's one of these things where, um, for me personally, 
it's going to inform the introduction of traits, right? Like, like the best thing about doing this is knowing what will be new because you can look at everything that's been recycled. It's been really fun to see like which project introduced new traits in this data set as well. You know, like I looked at the hash mask, for instance, and I can't find anything that's, um, that's a generative project that has a halo before hash masks. Um, I looked, I don't have it according to my data and I have things like CryptoKitties and Ether Tulips and like some of these older projects as well. Um, and the halo is still in the moonbirds, right? In the apes. Um, so it's, but the halo is not in the punks, right? So it's really interesting to kind of see like, what did the punks do? And then what other projects brought since then crypto kitties, Avastars, like there's, there's a bunch of older ones. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it's been a really interesting journey and provides like several different insights from so many different angles. One of the other things of course, is the cultural commentary of traits and, because I publish academic research once in a while, uh, if the right team aligns, um, maybe some of this will end up not as a fun coffee table book for DJs, but as maybe some academic research on the cultural commentary, like on the side of like, well, what, what, what is that self-reflection, right? And how we put together these little traits on animals. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting, I think, to see this, let's say five years from now, or 10 years from now, when somebody's looking back. And when I mean, all this plays out, be like, how did this even, you know, like, how did this happen? And I'm actually also curious, and I don't know if you know this, if you know the answer to this or not, um, but it's a good question to ask the punks, uh, the founder of punks, I guess, is like, how did they choose those traits, right? Like, what what made them choose the glasses or what made them choose, you know, like the... You know what I mean? Like, wh- why did they pick up those specific traits? I wonder. Oh, how absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, that, that is like, because they kind of, and this is kind of a metric that, that, that I haven't pulled yet, but it, that's the intent once I kind of sort through everything is how many traits from the punks have actually, like, I have a, a, a Sankey type plot, you know, where you kind of track things visually through a timeline. Mm-hmm. And I want to track, like, as the punks introduced these traits, which ones still kind of maintained throughout the proof of stake era and which ones have like died off or which ones have never even mm. been picked up. And that that is actually the stuff that's really great to visualize in graphics, right? Because you can like just clearly see that as like, okay, well, the top head, let's look at that and see kind of like, you know, its behavior over time across projects. And actually another thing that my data set is really good at doing is looking at derivative projects as well, right? And which ones have been successful and which ones have not and how many derivative projects have been created for certain initial projects, right? I was thinking about this, like, I don't know if you know this from top of your head or not, but um, how many of the top, like let's say top PFP projects, so let's just say, you know, like uh, punks, azukis, apes, uh, doodles, cool cats, world of women how many of them actually have the glasses you do you know by any chance do all of them have the glasses 3d glasses yeah let's just go with that or whatever like one trade let's pick one trade yeah so i i looked at 3d glasses um i can just pull up the data set and and actually tell you because i have a graph of this <laughs> that'd be, that's so crazy though to think about that mostly if everybody kind of copied that that is insane like it's pretty yeah, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to think of it but i think it's pretty in- interesting well, as a data person, I live for it. I'm just like, this is so fascinating. Like as a visual data person, to me, this is yep. so cool. So here we go. I pulled up my little graph here. Um, so here are, um, these are projects that had over 10,000 ETH volume on proof of work. Okay, from okay. my data set. There's 766. 
Um, so we have CryptoPunks, there's Doogies, this is in temporal, so like this is from beginning, like from early to later. Uh, CyberKongs, BAYC, MeBits, Dodge Pound, World of Women, Robotos, Fluff World, Lazy Lions, Koala Intelligence Society, MAYC, Sappy Seals, Cryptodes, The Humanoids, CryptoMoris, Kaiju Kings, Doodles, Wolf Game, MFers, CloneX, Clomens wow. Universe, CryptoBats, KillerGF, Dowered Ourselves, Moonbirds, Murakami Flowers, Moonbird Oddities, Renga. I stopped there. Wow. These are all 3D glasses? Uh-huh. You bet. That is insane. That is interesting. <laughs> so imagine like a book where you see all of this for like all the traits. <laughs> it's just so cool to, to, to visualize all of this stuff. Anyway, I'm kind of, I, I, I guess I'm kind of a weirdo for, for diving into no, it. But, but hopefully other people find this super interesting. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I, so I, I, I'm just curious about like, as a founder or as a, you know, somebody who's making the collection, I'm trying to get in their head. I'm just curious. I'm, I don't think it's anything wrong in this. Obviously the point of, you know, this, at least like, you know, you want to use what's been built and build up on that. Right? It's the whole point of, you know, uh, building on web three, but, but I'm just like very curious on like when the founder is building the collection, uh, how did it, why did they pick that trait? Right. Like, and what is going on in their head and, and different collections as they build, um, and yeah, and like, what made them say, oh, we should pick up 3D glasses because A, B, and C, right? Like, well, I can answer that. I mean, yeah. part part of part of as somebody who you know is dropping a book that definitely ties to a project after that, um, it's like the whole thesis of this is you know doing something that that is novel. But that's the risk of doing something that's novel that may not be as sellable, right? The reason why people duplicate the stuff is because it sells and because people are used mm. to it. That's why it works, right? Like you don't want to go too crazy because it's recognizable and branded. Like everybody understands it. But some things have not, like 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 some things are tied to a specific project. Like for instance, the Moonbirds do not have trippy fur because trippy fur is iconic to the apes, right? But ape derivatives have trippy fur. So it it's it, like so there is something that whereas the moonbirds decided to put you know a little chromy squiggle on top of the head or whatever like what like the, there are things that that projects innovate a little bit in their rares but then I think it's for the bottom end where people go to other projects to get inspiration from. What other things are you working on? And I know you're very passionate about data and analytics, um, but. How does your day-to-day -day look like right now? Yeah, so one of the things I'm super excited about, and I have also been playing around and exploring um, a lot of the metaverses that are coming out. I'm an early, like, voxels, <laughs> crypto voxels. Um, adopter, love having parties in there and have a bunch of land. And we have a mask museum for the hash masks in there, too. And I've curated, like, three different shows for our holders. Um, but that's not to say that I don't like other metaverses, either. I love Fuckrenders Lucidia. That's such a beautiful experience. One of the ones that I'm extremely excited about now uh, is Ohm, um, Punk 6529's Ohm, and you know, in collaboration with OnCyber. So I've been dabbling in that, and so I, I want to create uh, a hash mask experience in there. So I, my day to day has been kind of thinking about what I want to do in in that realm. Um, I'm going to be stepping into uh, more of an advisor role for the hash mask with this turning, you know, election. So I'm kind of excited to provide more, you know, strategy and maybe do some fun things as a kind of an advisor slash community member and see where, you know, incoming folk take the project after doing the double art drop, which was a massive, like four month <laughs> nose to the grindstone undertaking. I think I want to step back and do that. Plus I want to apply all of the things I learned through that process to things that, that I want to create. I mean, 
my partner uh, divide by zero um who's also <laughs> uh you know air quotes degen in the space as 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 myself um we we also have an artistic practice IRL and we came into the space for the tech um so i'm really interested in putting together a a tech based uh project at some point or maybe even look at some of our earlier works uh the only issue with that of course is to to then dox ourselves and say hi we're so and so actually and here are some of the past works that you know have been exhibited that we want to maybe put into the nft space that's one thing we've considered um but more realistically uh for now i really am excited about um creating this coffee table book i really think there's a lot of really good insights from there and more so i want to make the data set available i can't, i haven't thought exactly how i want to do that yet if i maybe put together some kind of a a front end uh where you can kind of search but i think there's going to be like really great power in uh in being able to to search uh certain things and 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 create like accessibility to to that trace data set so it's kind of twofold right one is the book uh another thing is the the notion of the the comprehensive data set that i'm putting together that i want to release and then i have an idea for a project um that i think i want to release uh that will tie to the book and the data set because it is kind of like one entire ecosystem um and you know just take an artistic liberty and a creative liberty after having learned everything i can about what has been done with traits to your point to create something maybe that hasn't been done with traits which is deeply informed by the data journey that i went on um talking about ohm we actually just had ac uh from 6529 capital on the show yesterday and i really wanted to dig down deeper into ohm but unfortunately we were just talking about trading and he was like i'll let 6529 answer the question about ohm so i'm actually really curious about ohm too and i really want to learn more on what's going on over there uh, i just listened to a bunch of podcasts with 6529 on real vision and man that guy is so smart uh the way he thinks so i'm really curious on what he's doing amazing oh he's 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 so amazing i mean i've had very very like on the blip of interactions the tiniest like 0.000% interactions with with him but how amazingly available he is and passionate about people using ohm i can't even like overstate that like just the fact that yeah it's just i'm so excited about it um the stuff that they're building the usability i'm part of the mfers community uh which uh, are obviously a huge active community and 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 are growing and building things in ohm as well um and there's there's other communities that are there um building also so but it, but they're really strongly passionate about the user experience in that metaverse which i think is really 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 great like they're working on how you do audio how you can do spaces in there how you create create parties and voxels does a lot of that stuff the difference i think for me fundamentally between something like voxels and ohm is that ohm is beautiful and looks beautiful that's because you you know need to hire somebody to do it like a 3d render that you know glb model for you so either you are you know blender type 3d builder yourself and you can create that and port it in which the learning curve for that is super high right or you're in voxels and like your kid who plays minecraft can create a building in like 2 minutes and then put you know images up and suddenly you have a space so voxels is kind of brick and mortar right where you have control over that as well as the experiences you create and this is of course as of today this will age and it'll be interesting to see how ohm changes if they do in that standpoint but ohm is more not brick and mortar because you usually will probably buy or use one of their templates 
So it creates less of a kind of diversity in experiences because you're limited to builders that are providing the actual brick and mortar. And then it's up to you to figure out what kind of experience you want to create. But it does look way better in terms of the 3D rendering and the engine used. So so those are, I think, the two. And I actually love both. Um, and I don't know where Voxels is going, but I'm excited about where Ulm is going. Interesting. I also think that um, when I read or listened to his talk, and this is me, my interpretation, so I might be wrong here. But what I kind of got from it was that he was not looking to create a VR, like a VR uh, play. He was kind of going more for an AR, which is like a mix between in real life and and like a you know like a digital kind of um, like a bridge between that. Um, so, which I think, at least personally, I believe that's kind of like I think we're a little too far away from VR world right now. I think we're I think the next logical step is some form of an augmented reality where real kind of mixed with digital. So, so that's kind of what excites me about it. Where he's thinking, where like uh, where mainstream adoption can happen, what an everyday person can do. Because I really don't see right now that everyday person would just go in VR and like run around in like a, some random ass metaverse. I don't see that happening personally. <laughs> so that kind of really, I, I, the way he thinks, and, and I highly recommend to viewers listening, if you have time, definitely go. There's a couple of episodes on Real Vision's uh, uh, podcast about like with, with Punk 6529 and holy fuck, they're so good. And I highly recommend watching it because the guy thinks so clearly and it's so easy to understand the way he explains it. Um, that was a very good, uh, I think a really good learning experience for me to think from first principles and things from fundamentals. And I really enjoyed it. So I highly recommend that. But uh, but yeah, that's what excites me about. Um, yeah. I think one, just to touch on that really quickly, um, I think absolutely in terms of mass adoption, VR is going to probably remain an acquired taste for gamers or porn industry or wherever else, like some of the experiential art stuff, like that makes perfect sense, but not to the point where you're going to, tune out look at the age demographics of some of the users they probably have kids by now right like they're not gonna spend three hours in vr and i think that for ar to be successful it has to be a wearable like you can't be staring at your phone holding it up like that works for pokemon go for three hours where maybe that's fun for you to go on an adventure with some friends which is probably one of the most widest known uses of ar right through your phone where you're capturing pokemon like that if you play pokemon go then you understand the idea of a real life experience through your phone while playing a game i think something like you know i, I know they're not doing glasses anymore but just something where it's a wearable and you kind of have that like really ease of co combining both your irl world and what you see virtually will be a really good combination of that. But I think both for now or any metaverse really where you can come together and meet people, uh, like uh, like why not have your main website, like which is web two, be replaced with whatever people are terming as 2.5 or three or however you want to say it. But like imagine if, you know, a business's website is not a website, but you can, you know, do your shopping in an actual like brick and mortar virtual building. And if your avatar can then, you know, get dressed up and you order all the things that it's wearing and they get shipped to your door. Like, I think there's other ways to think about incorporating like the desktop version of what some of these metaverses are building as well, in addition to this idea of AR. Yeah. I mean, also like with augmented reality, I think dating is going to be a huge one. Like yes. you think about it, you're walking around, you see somebody and right now, what's the challenge? Why I don't want to show my Instagram to somebody random because, or people in my, in my vicinity is because my identity is tied to it. Right. But if you are like, if you're an avatar and, but you can show your credentials, right. Like, and, and if that's what other person sees and you can like that person just in the, in the vision, in your peripherals, 
that is freaking cool. I, I think that is that's yeah. got a lot of potential there, right? Uh, because you're liking somebody not just based on well, you can see their face right there, so you, you can see the looks as well. But you're also liking based on their credentials and who they are as a person, uh, and and you know rather than going to their Instagram and looking at this fake feed, right? So I think it's really interesting too, and and it's also like it's very easy as compared to because yep. uh, it's instant, it's right there, right? So I don't know. I think we it's were, pretty cool. we we were talking about this last night on a Spaces. This idea of like taking NFT projects and making the PFP your profile and just like capturing sentiment and metrics from <laughs> responses. Like are, you know, like is a board eight more likely to get hits on a, on a, on a dating app than like an MF versus like a moonbird, you know, you know what I mean? Like it would just be funny. And then you can like capture the sentiment in the DMS and do like a sentiment analysis on if the actual interaction is positive or negative. Right. Because even though there's an interaction, maybe they're like web three sucks or whatever. <laughs> Anyway, it's just a random conversation, but I think it's amazing that these conversations are happening, right? How do you view like the NFT industry right now and in like the short term future? Oh, that's like, where's your crystal ball? Predict the world. I love this yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I think there's a number of things that are happening. And I think the biggest thing to think about is the kind of communities that are holders in the space. And that comes from motivation of being in the space in the first place. So to me, like the very first, and this is like a, these are overlapping, but like my motivation to come to the space was the tech. I'm really fascinated by Ethereum. I'm just fascinated in general by what can be done. That comes from knowing blockchain artists that like literally put together projects that experiment with the tech. Projects that you have to pass around from wallet to wallet because they will self-destruct because that's the artistic narrative. That's the height of the space for me Secondary to that was the art. I love art. It's been really fascinating. After that, of course, as a DGEN playing around, there's the financial gain motivation. I think the majority of the space has arrived for that motivation and then discovered art or other things about it. Then, of course, we have communities and people buy into a project with the motivation of belonging to a community, potentially networking, that kind of thing. And then the last one really is kind of like career driven, maybe not so much not during the bear, but a lot of people showed up that know nothing about NFTs, but they're needed, their skills are needed. So they're like, okay, I'm learning about NFTs. I have a job in Web3 because I'm a marketer or whatever. So where we are now, I think is you kind of have to look at the individual motivators. And I think the space is, is, is driving that based on these different segments of motivations, right? Like one of one artists are still doing their art thing and people that are here for the art. I mean, the QQL drop by Tyler Hobbs, like that did really, really well because there is still that hunger in that community that like really appreciates that. But that's different than someone who is kind of really in on the idea of like, you know, fast flips. And, and, and by the way, none of these are things that I'm putting in a place where they're one below the other. They're all equally as valuable, but I think you, you can't sum up like the NFT space without acknowledging the different motivators and the different types of holders in the space. So it's been nice to see that the amount of projects coming in has lowered. I feel like that's given us some breathing space because if you actually map out how many projects have been dropped per month, it's been nuts at that ramp up, right? And now finally people are like, well, if I make this yet one other derivative of this one thing, maybe it's not going to sell out. Yeah. And so, and that's catering to who? The people that are in it for financial gain and that kind mm -hmm. of flip stuff. Maybe they're not around as much anymore because that's slowed down. But there are people that are around for the tech. There's a lot of really interesting like tech stuff going on. There's a lot of interesting one-on-one -one stuff going on. 6529 is doing the meme thing now, right? Like there's memes happening that have not disappeared either. Like there's so many different avenues. So where I think the space is now, I think the space has slowed down in terms of the kind of 
pump and dump flip a little bit, just because I feel like I'm only commenting on that based on the reduction of amount of project drop that I'm seeing. But I think that's welcoming. I think it would be nice to almost set a bit of a reset button to see what will come and what will emerge, just like it has last time in the last 2017 kind of bear when everybody left who was in it for, of course, you know, that's more financially motivated. And the builders kind of stayed and said, well, what can we build upon now? Because we're in it, you know, when you strip away some of these things, why are you fundamentally here still, right? Why are we still having this conversation? If there is a bear and if you can't, you know, do the fast flips and the daily kind of gains, if that was your thing, then why do you remain? And you kind of have to find yourself in it. So I think it's a really good time for people to actually ask themselves that and, and figure out what kind of a NFT collector there are, what kind of an NFT mm-hmm. buyer or audience member, or even like, you know, viewer they are, because they're kind of questioning that that experience for themselves. Like, how did you arrive here? And, 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 and why are you still here? I would also say one more thing is like also thinking about your portfolio, right? Like I was thinking about this the other day as the prices were going so low. I was like, I want to buy some. And then I was like, man, I'm so overly exposed to NFTs. Although I want to buy some, but at the same time, how much percentage of my, you know, crypto and NFT, what what kind of ratio do I want? Right. And that was an interesting question, you know, um, to ask. Um, Absolutely. Everything is on sale, but is it going to go back up in value or not? And that's, I think, what's on top of everyone's mind is like, that's why a lot of older projects are being revisited, right? Like we've been talking about this in spaces too. People are like, oh, I'm looking at communities that are still here and building because if they're still around in the next two, three years, they're going to be ready for a bull, right? But but even if the bull happens, like, you know, do you, do we believe at this point, like, is it going to be, is it makes more sense to hold ETH, for example, right? Because if you believe that can 5XXX, do we believe that will happen with the NFT? You know what I mean? Like, that's also an interesting question to ask. Is it Absolutely. If, you, if you're looking at it from a financial perspective, I mean. Well, this is it, at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because somebody might be like, actually, I'm going to get 10 CryptoPunks <laughs> because they're like, you know, they're not 100 ETH floor right now. And again, it all depends on the motivation, because if you value holding those crypto punks more than you value your ETH portfolio, you're going to focus there. If you yeah. value that, like, and it's so hard to, to also judge because the narrative changes depending on if you're still winning or if you're down. And that depends on when you enter the space, too. Right. Yep. So that yep. that's all that, you know, like, I mean, you can have the same two, like two holders of the same project and one is extremely happy because they're like, I bought this thing at 0.08. Yep. I don't care. Yep. Or you yep. can have somebody who's like, I bought this thing at a hundred ETH and I'm now down. They have completely different sentiments toward the it's, same project. Right. It's such a funny thing to think about. Like I was, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm going to end this last point here, but I was thinking about this where I was like, man, if I was coming in the space today and I had $0, like made $0 in NFTs, right? Uh, would I be buying any collection for like a five, eight, ten thousand dollars my first NFT? That is still scary to think about if I didn't make any money, right? It was so, scary but, back then too. It was, I, yeah, I it, was, it was scary when we got in, but we didn't. I didn't buy a multiple. I bought one, right? Like yeah. I bought my first Gary V friend. That was my first one, and that that did well. And then I'm like, oh, I should buy another one that I bought an ape. But I was like, more like that, I already seen the winning happen, right? Yeah, I already seen my. That the Gary V that when I bought for I don't remember how much it was, but I think one I think about 0.5 ETH, which was two grand mm-hmm. at that point, and that had already gone up to three or four ETH. So yeah. I was like, oh shit, I already made ten grand on this. This is amazing. Yep. Let's put more money in, right? So I seen that gain happen, and that's kind yep. of what made me go more, right? But if that wouldn't have happened, would I have bought more? I don't know. I bought the We Friend for the community because I believed in Gary V as a whole different yep. thing. But but from there on, like you know, you you, you change you change based on how when you see that kind of 
growth happening. You, you, you real, your, your mentality. You make such a valid point. Like yeah. early, early people in the space have that positive feedback constantly that yeah. probably makes weathering the bear more comfortable because we have been through that. Whereas yeah. if all of your feedback from your decision-making in the space has been negative, right? Cause you entered late then, or if you have zero feedback, cause you're just starting, that is so different than the experiences, for instance, that you and I had, which is like, yep, that was, that was good. I'll do it again. Yep. Okay. More. And you kind of have that to ride you through the rest of it. Yep. Exactly. All right. All it's right. time it's for time. some rapid fire questions. Each episode, we like to ask our guests a few questions. Just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. And if you want to pass, just say pass. Cool. Okay. All right. First one. Favorite PFP collection. You can't say hash mask, obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, if it's not the hash masks. Oh, man. That's a really hash, hard one. Hash mask is an art project, not a PFP project. Yeah, but, oh. I use, but, I, but I use it as my PFP the most. Um yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to have to be the hash mask because I use it as my Come PFP. On. First thing that comes to mind. You can do this. I believe in you. Let's do it. First but thing. But that is the one that comes to mind. Like, that's 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 outer lumen. That's iconic. Like, okay. I mean, I change my PFP up all the time, but the one I go back to forever is definitely going to be that, like, silly bear holding a book. Like, that's the start of it all, you know? <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair. Alice in the word in the land. I got it. Okay. Yeah, like, it, that, that's that's the one, you know? Like, I mean, I have a mutant that I love. I have Pixel Vault. I have my MFR. Like, those are all amazing. But, like, the origin story is definitely the hash mask PFP. <laughs> That's totally fair, especially because you you got it. You got it as a customer, not as. A, and I was not, yeah, I was not on the team when I got it. I got it for myself, and like six months later, I joined. So yeah. That's totally fair. Okay, second one. Which upcoming artists would you like to spotlight? Ooh, um, that's really really interesting. I I I really liked um what um the artist who did uh, memories of jaylin uh from the art blocks collection was, was um, emily yeah emily, emily. she was part of the grails as well yep. and yeah. and so the reason why I, I like her is because of what she actually did with the grails because i liked how she took this physical approach and just like slapped together a collage but of her mm. actual like digital coding process i thought that was an interesting commentary for her to create uh like a, a derivative of, of her own of her own work so i would say i would say her amazing which teams are you most bullish on oh right now like as if if i like to answer it for like this week or whatever i'm really really excited for the mf community there is no team they're memes they're cc0 but like the community is so strong it's just nuts so I love those guys. Um, I like Pixel Vault. There's some like serious stuff going on with Pixel Vault in the DAOs. They actually have functioning DAOs that are working and people are voting and like they've been delivering stuff. So absolutely those guys. Obviously Yuga, but that's just like, you know, a no-brainer. I'm interested in seeing what Proof is doing too. So I don't know. Those are kind of the big ones that that I'm that that I'm in that I think are probably ones that I would would comment on. Cool. Uh which projects are underrated? Ooh, um, I think hashmacks are underrated, but I feel like they'll have their, their, their spotlight at some point, maybe just not right now. Um, what else is underrated? I, th I think, I think to some extent, maybe pixel vault even is underrated. The inhabitants collection, like Chris wall did a really good job. Um, I really like 
there's a one of one project I quite like. I think, the, okay, the most one I would say that's underrated is called The Worm. And the reason why The Worm is underrated is because you can't buy The Worm. The Worm has to be given to you or you have to steal mm-hmm. it as they're now re- introducing a new protocol where you could actually steal it from someone else's wallet. But the thesis behind The Worm is that initially it was that like someone has to transfer to your wallet. And then when you transfer it out, uh, that transaction creates a holographic copy of it in your wallet. So you know The Worm has visited your wallet. That is a concept. It's a very cool conceptual project. And I think everyone should know that the worm exists because it's just one of these things where you like, you cannot buy your way into it, or at least not at the beginning. And now it's still not a sale thing. You just, if you see it in someone's wallet, you can initiate a transaction to steal it from them and someone will steal it from you and so on it goes. So how do you uh, how do you seal it again? Sorry, I, I lost. So they ha- they haven't put that in yet, but you'll be able to. They'll have some kind of a way for you to probably on contract go in and identify the wallet that's holding the worm, and then initiate a transaction to put it into your own wallet. But anyone can just take it from you. But that's new. That's coming in initially. The worm you have to wait. So if I had the worm, I would like a lot of times communities gather. They'd be like, okay, you guys, I'll pass it. I'll get it. I'll pass it on to you. You pass it on to this person. You pass it on to this person, and then we'll set it free. But that's how people were doing it to try to get the worm. But yeah, I think that project is definitely one that is underrated because of the concept of what it does on chain, not because it's like, oh, if into this, it's not why you need to know about the worm. Your favorite Twitter accounts. I've been part of the DGen network. There's a coffee with Captain Morning Spaces that has become like family to me. Um, so in terms of Twitter spaces, I love that show. It's like really wholesome conversation and really respectable and really awesome. Um I like six five to nine, obviously, just like super super smart and has like really good commentary. Um, I have to give a shout out to Alan um, Carroll from the Sappy Seals because he's really funny. The memes are great. I also love a bit of humor in my day, so that's really great. Um, but yeah, Twitter Twitter Spaces, love that. Um, the, the 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 morning show. Um, that's like you know. I mean, I could talk about all this stuff forever, but I'll stop myself there. So many others. Oh, I'm, I'm missing people and I feel bad. What brand, individual, or team would you like to see in Web3 that is not currently here? Oh my God. I want to go and mint my Pokemon. Like, I want to go play Pokemon Go. So Nintendo. I want to go play Pokemon Go. But like, when I catch that like Lapras, I want to mint the Lapras. And I want it to be rare because it's like a shiny one. And I want that in my wallet. Like I want to be able to get motivated to go outside and play a game and still be a degen. And like, and, and where I go matters and how much time I spend matters and getting rares. I want the rarity of something to be tied to my participation being outside and, and, and playing outside. I think that that's something that would be amazing. What advice would you give to any new artists or builders or teams entering Web3? Okay, so for artists, please, please, please understand if you're one of one artist that putting something on OpenSea means that you will sell it. Think about how marketing works in the space and the kind of following you need to have and the kind of support system you need to build to just make sure that you kind of understand the business of art in the space because it's very, very super saturated. You kind of have to come with with a following or kind of, you know, have something there to build upon. It's not just your product, unfortunately. I think it's tied to that that notion of, of of marketing sadly especially like maybe not as much now because things have calmed down a bit but that's important um i think for teams holy fuck communication like my goodness just figuring out how to do proper pr maybe investing in some pr and comms people right off the bat to understand how to talk to a community that's segmented and has different needs 
so that you have that like you emanate the Web3 transparency that we all love and yet somehow gets obfuscated in team communication. And if you don't want to communicate, then just communicate that, right? You know, and be like, we're not talking to you for the next three months. Like it or not, we're not doing it. Too bad. But at least like, yeah, I just think that that kind of transparency would 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 like be really, really well. And then finally, one prediction for 2023. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to get roasted for this, I'm sure, or killed. But I think that 2023 will still be a bear. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get roasted for this. I think that's what's going to happen. I agree with you, too. I think we're looking at 2025, to be honest. But I, I hope I'm wrong. But that's my, you know, we'll listen back on this in 2023, or at least I will, and, uh, and see, how, see how we are. I mean, I, I'll be happy and welcoming to not having a bear. But I think that that's, that's, my, that's my prediction. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I kind of agree with you too, which is so <laughs> sad, but I think that's... I know. You're right. Well, Outer, this was amazing. Thank you so much for yes, coming on you. the show. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter all the time. At Outer Lumen is my handle. My DMs are open. If you write me something serious, I'll actually respond to you. I read all of them. But if you're shilling me shit, it's not going to work. I ignore that. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's that's where I live. That's the gateway to finding me online. And thank you both so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. This channel is intended purely for educational purposes and does not constitute financial or tax advice.